This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. It's scorching outside. We've got two cracking World Cup games to come. Mohamed Salah has just signed a new five-year deal without a release clause. It is Monday, but it feels like a Friday. This is the Anfield main show in association with Red's Bet. We've got John Gibbons, Adam Smith, Paul Senior, Rob Gutman, and I'm Melissa Reddy. Rob, straight on it. New contract for Salah. Yeah, that was that was. It came out. It felt like it came out of the blue, didn't it? This morning, um, I'm still still can't quite take in. I think we expected Liverpool to offer a contract this summer. I think that was an essential thing. Fans are, are getting a bit cynical about new contracts. I think because we we saw Coutinho and Sturridge leave within six months of new contracts. But I would say to people. Would you rather him not sign a new contract? Because that's it's a definite step in the right direction. I think the the, the, the only detail we have in the story, Mel, is, is about the no release clause, which is, as you said at the top of shows, is 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 good news. I'd love to know how much money it is and where this is going to come out, because I want to see the likes of Mo Salah paid amounts of money that would make Real Madrid wince when they come knocking. Go, mm. can we have your player? I think. With these t- with contracts and whenever you do get a player salary, a lot of it is is misrepresented. Often, a, an agent will say it's it's more than what it is. The club might say it's less, not to you know cause upheaval by by everyone else and the squad. But but the fact you know, like you say, Rob, that it is no release clause, that it is a new contract. Paul Senior, a lot of people are talking about it. As though, what does it even mean? But it it is like Rob said, uh, a step in the right direction. It, it is a step in the right direction. I think it's the the once bitten twice shy thing, isn't it? We've had this with Suarez, we've had this with Coutinho. So you wonder whether the, the new contracts are just offered, just to essentially offer a pay rise. Um, and you know that that's the that's the thing that just keeps them at the club for another year or another six months, because I think we've been proving that they're not really the length of them doesn't really matter if the mm. player's going to go they're going to go. It's good for protecting value. That's that that's one thing I would say. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm pleased. It means that he's he's still committed to Liverpool for for another year at least. You know you you would like to think. Um, but the the thing I'm taking from it is he just seems happy, and I'm quite happy to see that he just seems happy, and the manager seems happy with him, and he seems like a, a genuinely nice fella who's enjoying his time playing in the Premier League. So there's there's no there's no negative to to this positive, and people look for the the what if, um, and I suppose that's what we're we're here to do. I suppose, but for me, you wake up to the, on a Monday morning to Mo Salah, your best player, one of the best players in the world, signing a new contract. Shows he's committed to the Pool Football Club, and I'm, mm. I'm all for that. Right after Roberto Firmino has done so as well, just a few months ago, Adam. Um, you know, the two cases 
both Rob and, and Paul have mentioned is Suarez and Coutinho. Obviously, the difference between them is Suarez did have a release clause in. I think everyone around the table will agree that you feel that Liverpool got shortchanged in that deal. Whereas you look at the Coutinho one, that's the third highest transfer fee in world football if you count um, Kylian Mbappe's fee, which becomes effective this summer. And the fact that there was no release clause means Liverpool can push it up to that amount. If they had negotiated a contract with a release clause in it, it would have predated everything that's happened in the market, Neymar's move, Dembele's move, and, and you think Liverpool would have got around 60, 70, 80 again, which would have shortchanged them. So all in all, it is quite positive. Definitely. And I think the the cynicism around it of people saying, oh, well, you know, contracts aren't worth what they're written on, blah, blah, blah. I think there the were extenuating circumstances in both the situation with Coutinho and the situation with uh, with um, Suarez. The, the Suarez one, he signed the new contract essentially from what I can understand, on the understanding that he was going to be let to leave the following summer, yeah. but it just dealt with the, that summer's, you know, mm. kind of um, rumours and things. And the Coutinho one, he signed the new contract at a time when he was uh, reportedly very happy at the club. He didn't envisage leaving the club and Real Madrid hadn't shown any interest in him. at that. Real Madrid, Barcelona hadn't shown any interest in him at that point. Um, and it was the interest that then sparked what followed. With Salah... Every single team in world football will have been interested in him this summer. And I'm quite sure that Liverpool will have been fielding at least tentative calls from the likes of Real Madrid saying, what do you reckon? How much is it going to cost us if we want to bring him in? I think it's an entirely different set of situations because this, to me, is a contract of him saying, I trust the manager. I trust where the club's going. I like where we're headed. And I want to be paid an amount of money that is reflective of my value to the team rather than the others, which were either, you know, cynical in the case of Suarez or maybe slightly naive in the case of Coutinho. Uh, I'm just not bothered about it. I think it's a brilliant piece of news. I think added that to to Firmino's. I I, I just think people who are saying things like, oh, well, it's not where the paper was written about, they're just looking for things to moan about really when at a time when I think the club's in a very, very good place. And with the addition of, you know, one or two new signings before the summer's out, we could be going into next season looking really happy. I think what we're we're doing as fans, Adam, sorry to cut across, is is not taken into position where we are now. I think we're, when Liverpool fans were, were upset about when Suarez left, these are completely different circumstances. Mm. We're operating at a much higher level. The better manager, you know, in the Champions League final just a month ago. So, so what is what is there to be to be negative mm. about this? As a side, that's I can understand when when Suarez leaves and Mascarano leaves and these players because they're going on to better things. But if you're if you're delivering on the pitch, and don't get me wrong, we haven't put any trophies in, in the cabinet, but that we're getting closer. We're, we're, I'm not saying we're reducing the gap on Manchester City because they've created a massive gap, but I feel like, you know, it's two years now consecutively in the Champions League, and that's a big achievement for considering where we were before Jürgen Klopp. So keeping these players, keeping them happy, and now I'd be, I'd be now going to Sadio Mane. It's your turn now. Yeah, you know, yeah, I think they will. Yeah, they, well, I think they have to, John. You know, this is... This is a three-part thing, you know that that it's a front three. We want to keep them all together. And it'd be such a blow for one of them to come out and have a circumstance like what we've just seen with Emery Chan or whatever. So we, as a football as football fans and football fans of Liverpool Football Club, we need to remember we have progressed, and these players are happy to sign contracts at the club because they feel they're competitive, that they're playing at the biggest stage in Champions League finals and games, even even the rounds before that. They were all massive ties. Liverpool, the eyes. The eyes of the footballing world are on this club again. 
And that's where these footballers want to be. I agree with that. And the only thing I'd add to it as well is the fact that the circumstances were different for everybody at the time that the previous contracts were signed. Suarez knew he wanted to leave and the club was not in a good place. Yes, we'd nearly won the title, but it was clear that the wheels were going to come off not long after that because of just everything that was going on behind the scenes. And I think with Coutinho, he, he'd he been at the club for long enough mm. to, to to get to the point where he thinks, well, now's my time to move on, really. Mm. he's not, He wasn't old, but he was, still, he was still getting old enough to be like, now's the time to leave. I don't think that's the case with Salah. I think he's there and he's at the, he's at the, the beginning of the journey that the club's going to go on rather than the end or the middle of it. It was also one where... And, and do you know, there's, there's some lines when players leave football clubs that you don't believe, but there was one where, he, you know, there was anybody but he doesn't believe. And it's, I think you've reported it yourself, Mel, where there's a lot of that. Anyone but Barcelona, mm. I, I wouldn't have went. I wouldn't have gone to Juventus. I wouldn't have went to Paris Saint-Germain. Mm. Barcelona. He did, he, he did have an offer from Paris uh, Saint-Germain and, and didn't I want imagine. it twice, actually. Really? Yeah. Well, there you go. I mean... This anyone but it's that he's, he live he played for Espanyol, so he got to live in Barcelona. His wife, you know, his wife is there and they're happy, and that that's the lifestyle I think they they've chosen. So the the anyone but thing is still is still something for me with Coutinho. I'm still so so bitter about the fact he left us mid season, but I feel like you know Barcelona put so much pressure on that he felt inclined he had to go. But but in this, I think the the bigger picture is we should all be happy. Continue um, to celebrate this. Continue was five years in. I think what's interesting at these junctures is when they sit down with the players. Yes, it's five years, but there has to be almost I don't know if it's a frank or an implied conversation. Where they go, by the way, for us to go to this trouble doesn't mean you we accept a transfer request from you in a year's time. I don't care who it is. That has to be sort of implicit. I that. think five should mean at least three. Well, this is what I'm getting at. <laughs> I, well, I, I'm, I'm getting it. Well, if you think about uh, the Coutinho situation, he was able to get away because he was able to agitate, let's say, in a relatively civilised way with his teammates and go, hang on, they the club won't let me go. I've been here five years. This is a dream opportunity this isn't fair. And the teammates were able to nod and go, you know what, Gaffer, he's not wrong. But I wonder when someone like Salah, who's just 12 months in the door, he's been made into the player he is by the club and through his own through his own uh, uh, abilities. I don't think his teammates are going to feel happy with him. He signs a contract and he tries to bugger off in the year. I think they'll go, Mo, I don't think that's reasonable. You signed to be with us. Don't expect our support. And I think these things are important. What happens on the pitch will dictate everything, isn't it? I'm sure we'll let John speak in a minute. But I think what, yeah. I'm enjoying what, it. What happens on the pitch is surely what dictates everything. We've just come off the back of a Champions League final. We have to feel that that's something we can achieve again in the next couple of seasons. That challenging for the title will be something that we'll achieve in the next couple of seasons. But it doesn't feel unrealistic. So, no, it doesn't either. But I think it did feel unrealistic yes, at the time of Team was unrealistic. Exactly. And, and, and Coutinho could, could well look at it and go, well, Barcelona is the dream, as you say. For everybody else, you have to say that it, it does feel realistic that this is a team with the manager, the owners and the supporters all pulling the first direction, in the same direction, arguably for the first time in my adult lifetime. And that is reason not to feel like they're going to give, you know, going to want to leave in a year's time, unless everything does fall apart on the pitch, in which case, you know, maybe it's fair. Gibbo, apart from the established players like Firmino and um, Salah that we've just spoken about committing to the club, it's also quite interesting to see young players, Rian Brewster, even though he's had the opportunity to go to Germany, about to agree or sign a new deal, he's agreed one. Uh, And then Bobby Duncan, 
who sees Liverpool as as a better pathway for for his career. So the fact that you know the the, the players at the pinnacle, but also the youngsters coming through, who you know in in four or five years are going to be the players that they see the same things in Liverpool. Yeah, and they've just taken a twenty-year-old kid from Chelsea in the last hour or so as well. Um, with who I don't know too much about, but I gather it's because he's been kind of frozen out of Chelsea because he wouldn't he wouldn't sign. It all does point to, to, to positive things, and it all does point to the fact that a lot of players right now, um, you know, either either starting out their careers or like Mo Salah, who's who's who's, who's a world-class superstar, see Liverpool as the, as the place to play the football, and and that's great, and that sends out positive. You know, positive vibes both in the squad and and also externally. And I think it's also good how how proactive the club have become in, in this. You know, the it used to be just the saying, didn't it? Well, two years left on your contract, then we'll have a chat again. And that used to mm. be the way the way any football club did business and was seen as the right way to do it. And if you got less than two years, then you know you were being kind of you know you 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 were succumbing to the bossman. Liverpool are coming in straight to you know almost straight away now. They did it with Jurgen Klopp, didn't yeah. they? You know, yeah. six months in, bam, seven years, and and I think that's really good because I think it's it's good that they're being proactive in terms of securing people. But I think it also sends out the right messages that if you do well, we'll we'll, we'll look after you. Mm-hmm. If you if you're if you're performing and you're you're you know here's the place you prove yourself. You don't prove yourself before you come, but if you if you come in, you know we'll kind of. We will recognise that, and I think it's a recognition from the club that that Mo Salah is on a different level to when he joined, and so deserves a different a different mm-hmm. tier of contract. And I think that's only fair, and I think that's a positive thing as well because it, I think it's a motivation. I think it keeps people hungry, and, and you know it's, it's rewarding success, and that's exactly what any football club should do. Rob, you're the perfect person to ask this. Mm. You know, ultimately in the summer, everything becomes about transfers. That's the obsession, but you can't underestimate how important everything we've just spoken about now is. This is a transfer, in a way. I'm claiming it. Well, I, 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 like a new signing. Yeah. Everyone, send your negativity and hate, Rob. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I, I think as fans, we're often prone to forget that you buy a player, I've said this on other shows recently, you buy a player at a certain price. If he then becomes the player of your dreams, which Mo Salah has, he's a different player with a different value. And you effectively, what we've done today is effectively re-sign a better player than the one we've bought mm-hmm. because the cost of this deal is that much more expensive and it's an, it's like a transfer fees worth of business. A lot of times I think fans are a bit prone to say, well, we've only spent this net or that or that gross this summer. I said, yeah, but what about the big contracts we're getting renewed? This weird, this debate surfaced a bit under Rafa, I think, at, at the height of, say, the 208-209 success phase where, the, the, although it was a very difficult time behind the scenes at the club, big contracts were being doled out to the likes of Torres, Pepe Reina, Xabi Alonso, Mascarano. Steven Gerrard was getting a new contract. Carragher was. This was big deal money back then. And I think what we're doing in the front three is big deal money right now. And there's no signs it's going to restrict us in the market. But, uh, but yeah, no, it, it, is like, it, is like, it is like a new signing of if, sorts. If Liverpool needs to solidify as a top four sign, side, then retaining the best assets is mm. equally as important as add, adding to them. I think we, you know, we live in an age where transfers, everyone is sort of obsessed with transfers, myself included. Um, but, you know, it, it's not as much fun to see the same lads playing again, but these lads are fun as well. <laughs> do you know what I mean? We, we've got to keep sight of that. that he is a transfer. He's yeah, only a year he, old. This is, well, this is it. He's a, he's a year here. Don't take it for granted that we keep him forever because obviously we as much as anybody know that it's not... But I think Rob's point is right. Barcelona for years, after years on end, have been re-signing Lionel Messi. Yes, you know, yeah. and 
I, I don't know, he's on about half a million pounds a week, I think. And more. If not yeah. more, yeah. And that he didn't start on that, but Barcelona have had to put their hands in their pockets with big signing on fees time and time again to, to attain the level that they've been playing at. And they've only been doing that by giving contracts to the likes of historically Neymar and Ronaldinho's and now um, Suarez's and Messi's and the like, you know. Even the things with Asensio at the moment, he's asking Real Madrid to re-sign him. And that, mm. that's, that's what it is. You know, I, I'm not the 18-year-old kid that came through the academy now. I'm one of the lads who's taken in Yester's place in the Spanish side. So you've got to pay me like that. And, you know, I'm glad to see that this Liverpool mentality that we have now is willing to do that. Yeah, but speaking of transfers, it's, I mean, as quiet as you expect it to be with the World Cup on. But I think... When you're so trained on on the club you support, when you're so focused on Liverpool, you might not, uh, you know, take into consideration what else is happening in the market, or that nothing at all is actually happening. And if you look, Chelsea, City, Tottenham, Everton have signed no one. Arsenal have made two signings, Leno and Lichtensteiner, and United have brought in Fred and uh, Dalot. That's the the height of activity amongst the top clubs. Yeah, it's it's quite startling when you kind of lay it all out like that, isn't it? And we did a really interesting show on on Tour Play, the subscription service, where we all took a, a club each of the top six and said, what would you do? And doing that mindset and going through that, and there's a few of us in the room that did it, made you kind of realise that a lot of these clubs have got a lot to do and a lot of these clubs have got a lot of problems kind of either either financially or either in terms of you know having to... to Reevaluate what they've got and what they need to do, and I think if you're if you were to, to play that game as a Chelsea fan, as Liverpool, and looking at the business they've done this summer, you'd be looking at it thinking, "Everybody, yeah, they're, they're strong," and we are we are in a really strong position. That's not to say that we haven't got more to do, mm. and that's not to say that you know we'd all be happy if the if the transfer window closed tomorrow because you know there's, there's, there's two or three more that they do need to get in but we've we've had a really good head start you know having securing Kaita last year like they did getting Fabinho in just a couple of days after the Champions League final to give that a little bit more of a positivity when we were all feeling a bit low it is a really good start yeah we wish the Vakir deal would have been done but as you say compared to compared to our rivals you know, top four rivals. You know, Chelsea must be must be wondering how much money they've even got to spend this summer. How how interested certain people are anymore. Spurs have obviously got the new stadium and how much extra that cost. And they'll be they'll be looking at well, do we need to kind of sell to buy? And so I think it is important to to remember what you what. What your your rivals are doing, and the fact that right now it is, it is difficult for anyone to get anything over the line. But but Liverpool have got a head start, and that's how I view it. I think also we need to be aware that you have to stand by for what's going to be a, a bit of a transfer frenzy yeah. as well. Because this, this, yeah. the, 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 the World Cup finishes the fifteenth of July, so they've got till the ninth of August to get yeah. the, the business done. I think it's going to go absolutely insane just in time for your holiday Rob actually (laughs) (laughs) Um, but no I think you know Liverpool they seem like they know every year now and I think this it's it's gone full circle Liverpool fans have trust in transfer committees and stuff nowadays which it seems mad that Liverpool seem utterly prepared with their plans you you can imagine us as as someone vying for the top spot in the Premier League are prepared and they know what they've got to go and do 
Chelsea haven't even appointed the manager yet. Yeah. You know, there's 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 a lot to do. He's got a, he's got a squad to rebuild. Whether he's keeping Loftus cheeks and Batshuayi, he's also got a, got rid of these lads. You know, we're talk, we're looking at our training photos today and go, shit, do, 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 is he still at the club? You know, this yeah. it's that thing again that happens every summer where you forget that the game at Chester the weekend could feature a region storage and some sort of mad throwback. So there's tons tons to be done. Um, but I I trust that we can go and do it. It's also the fact that, obviously, even though nothing's coming out or there's not a lot of talk around transfers, that it's not all quiet. The club will still be in talks with agents, uh, you know, still keeping in touch with players they're interested in. And I think, you know, a signal of that as well is, like we were saying earlier, it feels like Salah's signing his contract has come from nowhere because they've kept it quiet because he's been at the World Cup with Egypt. And now, now that he's gone on holiday... It's a chance to finally share the news. So even though it seems like nothing's happening, Adam, it, below the scenes, you'd imagine uh, quite a lot is going on. Yeah, definitely. I love the new Liverpool. I love it. It's brilliant. It, it's just, I mean, it must be great for the reaction shows as well. Of everybody having to run to the Anfield Rap Mobile to. Uh, no, we like we like a tip off from Robbie. Sorry, Adam. I'll be honest. <laughs> um, but I, yeah, I love it. I love. I mean, it's it's pulling the pants down of all the ITKs, making them look fools, which is always fun. Uh, it's it's great. It's really exciting for supporters to just be scrolling through Twitter and you know, in the case of Fabinho, linked with somebody, and then five minutes later signing them. You know, th- those sorts of things are brilliant. And exactly as you say, there wasn't even a sniff of a new contract rumor going around about Salah, apart from I think maybe John Merrow saying he was going to Real Madrid because he wasn't signing one. Nobody else was <laughs> saying anything about Salah and you can't, and, it, and then done, done. There you go, sorted. And it's and it's brilliant. And it just. It, I think it puts into perspective the idea that that the club is sort of scrabbling around blind, trying to you know, oh well, now that uh, the Fakir deal looks like it's fallen through, what are we going to do? Oh, you know, well maybe there's a lad in the conference. Like that's not what's going on. There's obviously people. They've got lists. They've got players that they're contacting. They've got agents that they're speaking to, and there might well be deals being done that we know absolutely nothing about that are released when the club now wants us to know about them, rather than when you know some rumor gets leaked out in the press and blah blah. blah. And it, and it's. It's it's the way it should be done, you know. Obviously, it's the way it should be done, but it's brilliant and it makes it so much more exciting because every day you do feel a little bit like, oh, what's going on here? It's, it's half past ten. Where's the tweets? Like, you know, you do wonder what when the when the next bit of news is going to break. And I I do like the fact that the club are also mixing it up and just telling people, you know, embargoes are ended at random times in the day rather than was it half past nine for a while when it was going off all the time. Every half past nine there was a new bit of news. So it's yeah, it's just it's an exciting summer because we've got the World Cup going on, and then when you think back to domestically, you're like, oh, I. Yeah, we've signed uh, Kaiter, haven't we? He's just arrived. Oh, yeah, we've uh, just got, uh, you know, Salah onto a new deal. So, yeah, it's brilliant and it's what it should be, really. First day of pre-season, Rob. Mm. Who are you most excited about? and Or who have you been most focused on? <laughs> it's Naby. It's all about Naby for me. I'm just dying to see him in a red shirt. I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing Kaiter and Fabinho. It feels like a... It feels like a package, do you know, what I mean? that we get. And I, I desperately hope one of them doesn't trip over something in, in this first <laughs> week back in training because I am dying to see them in tandem in midfield, seeing what that looks like. It's okay. We we hope to have Kieran as well, but they're like the best part of a new midfield. And our old midfield did really well for us last season, and some good players there. But I'm hoping these are a level above, and I'm really excited to see them. In terms of the old new faces, those coming back in. 
I really want to see if Harry Wilson's ready to make a step up. I'm, uh, he's, he's, every time he's, a question's been asked of him, he's, he's answered it. You know, in the under-23s, he was top scorer the season before last with, with, with ridiculous numbers. Um, he goes to Hull in the championship, does the business. I don't really think he could do much better than that. Mm. He's not 18 anymore. He's 21, I think, Harry, or something around that. So... He needs to come in and actually be a bit of a superstar pre-season to have a chance. If you ask me as a betting person, uh, the odds are against it for him, but I'm excited to see how he picks up the challenge because I think he is a young man who likes the challenge and, and responds. So I wouldn't rule out anything with him. Now, he could, and I wouldn't bet on it again, I'd say, but he just could be like that proverbial new signing. Gibbo, you've seen quite a lot of, uh, of Harry Wilson uh, and you've you know covered him extensively in terms of how he's performed, what he's added when he was at the under-23s and stuff like that. Do you think sometimes it's a case of it's a really good player, but maybe just not good enough for Liverpool? That sounds kind of harsh, but or... No, it's quite it's quite possibly the case. And that's, and that's mm. what you're concerned is, is that, you know, he would need a bit of time to develop to, to maybe get to the level to what we want. And, and are you prepared to... to to risk it or, or do you want to get someone in who you know is at that level and that's that's the problem that, that all kind of young players have really I would agree with Rob though in that Wilson he's he's passed every test that he's been just been thrown at him last two years if you'd have asked me two summers ago whether Harry Wilson would make it at Liverpool I'd have said no he's just had his you know he had a really disappointing loan at Crew. Yeah. you know you look at him you, he's so slight but you just can't have done any more. And yes, the biggest test is to come. You know, if if this was a computer games console, he's got you know the big baddie at the end, which is the kind of the biggest thing. But he's but he's knocked off everything along the way. That that goal scoring season he did he did the year before last as well points out is you know it, it's Salah levels of goals. You know, it's not the same level of football, obviously, but it's but it's inc- you know it's, it's twos and threes every week. It's incredible. And what he did at Hull was really really difficult because they were in real trouble. It's a club on a real down, and it's a club that's kind of you know, hates itself in, in many ways that, you know, when he just, he just, he just came in and scored goals and it, and it's tough to do that. You know, you, you saw it with, with the Jardy going to Sunderland and going to a club that's struggling and how difficult it is to shine. He just took it on, on himself to, to kind of, and, and, you know, to, to, to sort the situation out and then that you speak to whole fans and they couldn't speak any more highly of him. And so he can't have done anything more. And that itself, I think needs to be rewarded in a way you know, because of, because of the message it sends out to the academy, and you're looking at someone like Brewster, who who is now signing a new deal, which is fantastic. But but to the others, to to show that you know, okay, well we we are prepared to to at least give you a preseason and see what you can do based on what you've done in the last kind of year or so. I think I think does need to happen just for the just for the spirit of of keeping the whole system alive. Adam, have you seen any any players of of old or or one of the youngsters bar? Wilson, who you think, you know, if, if you if everything aligns for you this preseason, you could be one that Jurgen Klopp maybe ordinarily didn't have in, in his plans, but now he thinks actually can fit you in somewhere. I mean, you know, we're chatting before we started about Divock Origi, for example, or, or do you think when, when you go through the list, many of them, it feels like it's all about being in the shop window? I think it's shot window for pretty much everyone. I, I think the one thing that's easy to forget is that that Klopp's Liverpool requires a very specific skill set from the players that play for the team. And I, I think that Wilson, as an example, 
if he doesn't make it, it's not a failure in on his part if he ends up going somewhere else. It's just that what he's bringing to the table isn't what this Liverpool team requires from a forward player. And I think that's true of Origi as well. I, I don't think Origi has the, the skill set and I don't think he has the tactical intelligence to fit into a Klopp system at its best. And I know he did well in, when we were on the run uh, to the... Uh, Europa League final in you know in in those games and things, but but I think that was more because that was the early stages of Klopp at Liverpool, and he was just using the players that he had available rather than getting the players that he wanted. If that makes sense, so th- there's no one really, uh, literally on our books that, that has either been on a loan or just been you know or, or whatever that I think they're definitely going to give a, a run for the money back in the first team. I might be wrong, um, but. I'm very, I'm very much about the forward momentum, with the, with the exception of the some of the youth players, and I'm looking forward to seeing Bus because I don't know enough about him. But as I say, I think if he if he doesn't succeed, I don't think it's a failure. I think it's just that he doesn't have what it requires to be part of a front three that is one of the most electric in Europe. I think, I think Adam's right to an extent. I think you know where, um, when these lads either go out, they're, they're seen as not, not yet good enough, or. You know, not good enough, and Liverpool can't get rid of them. Obviously, like Samarkovic and Origi, I think were deemed not good enough for the Liverpool side at the moment. And then the likes of Wilson coming back in, maybe not yet good enough, but it's a very hard thing to attain that now yeah. in Premier League football, especially if you're in the top six. Whereas, you know, Harry Wilson could be a good Premier League footballer, but it doesn't mean that he's a good Liverpool Premier League footballer. Yeah. If that's because he's just not quite at the levels that we've got, then that's that's unfortunate for him. But I think we we've got to just think about ourselves more than Harry Wilson's well-being. And if if it just turns out that that's the case, then then so be it. Well, let's let's sell him while his his, uh, his stock's reasonably high and, and move on. You know, we've seen this with players in the past who just don't quite cut it or other big clubs. You know, like a Hesse or whatever across the continent, where you think, oh, they're are they a good little prospect for the for the clubs and the, and they just don't turn out to do it? But yeah, I think Adam's absolutely right. I'm all about the the forward momentum now, and if I think Liverpool need to add someone really competitive to to uh, add to that front three that they've got, and I don't I don't really want a lad that wasn't deemed good enough last summer to stay here to be the one that we, we're relying on mm. if if something goes wrong. In terms of. That the makeup of the squad and and you know we've spoken a lot about incomings but outgoings this summer will be interesting because Liverpool have actually done well they've sold at you know premium prices for players that we didn't even want you look at Mamadou Sakho was frozen out but they still got you know just short of of what they asked Crystal Palace for him this summer you look at it and you th- you, you think if they actually manage to pull that off where their valuations are getting met or very close to getting met, it would be quite a thing because yeah. I don't think there's a massive push for any of, of you, you know, some of the players we've mentioned. Do you know what I think's happening and everything we've seen in the last couple of seasons with Liverpool? There was a time where we used to sweat on our outgoing sales a bit because there'd be talk that we need to sell to buy to a degree. Whatever we need we had, we, we needed to supplement it with those sales. And that word was out there and the buying clubs were aware of it. And they were getting good deals from us. The Liverpool of last... Something has... I don't care what anyone says that the FSG out cynics. A sea change happens at Liverpool about a year, 18 months ago, which is maybe a reappraisal of the money in at the top end of the game because of the TV deals, 
the the, the awareness of, of the impending uh, benefits of Champions League participation, uh, the, the benefits of, of backing a man like Klopp, all those things began to align. And I think at Liverpool, we started to spend. Uh, and I know the net isn't fantastic yet, but it could yet be fantastic. And I think what happens is... When, when last summer, when we were going out to buy Salah and Oxlade Chamberlain, and but for the grace of God, would have had Van Dyke and Naby Keita on August the 1st, um, a decision was made to go for it. Mm-hmm. And I think it was any conversations behind the scenes in the past, like, you know, we've got to get rid of Saka. We've got to, I think those are, those happen when they happen. Yeah. And I think this is what we'll see. So that's why we get eight mil for Kev Stewart. It's why we get four and a half million for Sergi Canos. These are the similar for Andre Wisdom as well. Yeah, exactly. These are the sort of prices we saw the likes of Chelsea getting for their reserves uh, two, three years ago. United would routinely get these prices. Yeah. And we'd think, are ours that much worse? Or I think it's just the desperation's gone. The financial model is different now. Mm-hmm. And now we can afford to wait and we can go, you, know, you can have you can have a Regi if you want to, but this is the price. He's 20 million and we'll, or whatever he's worth. And if you don't want him, you can sit and rot, quite frankly. Well, I think loan fees have also kind of transformed it as yeah. well because that's quite a, a new thing, isn't mm. it? Or it seems to be to me anyway. The idea that you can get sort of, not just loan out a player, but get like two, three million But also find them if they don't do what you tell them to do. I think that's the other thing. So Liverpool will go, if he doesn't play X amount of games, then we're, we're going to put that fee up. Yeah. So yeah, that's been something that I think Liverpool have been keen on doing. Sorry, Joe. No, 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 you're right. And so I think it, it does kind of take away the desperation. And I, I agree with you, Rob. I think they've been really clever in that they've said there's no budget anymore. Whether that's right yeah. or wrong, that's the that's the message that the Liverpool sends out is we don't talk, we don't think about transfer budgets. We 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 assess each player and we think we look at his value and we look at what he what we think is worth to us. And if we think we can get him, then we go out and pay it. And if if we if we don't, then we don't. And that's the way and look, there probably is a budget somewhere, but that's yeah. that's kind of what they're what they're putting out there is that you know what, if if it, we'll spend what it takes to get the players that we mm. want. And I think that's 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 really smart. And I think it does, you, you know, negate what, what, what you said before, which is everyone goes, you know, Liverpool want to buy him and him. him. And we've only, they've only got 20 or 30 million pounds to spend this summer. Let's just, you know, let's be smart here and we'll get a good deal. But also, you know, a lot of people seem to think that the money for Van Dijk is offset from the Coutinho sale. I don't see that at all. It was just the previous summer's budget being spent a few months later. Liverpool... I brought could bring in even if Fakir happens, then the Keita, Fabinho and um, Virgil Van Dijk for sorry not Virgil Van Dijk and Nabil Fakir for the price of what we sold Coutinho. So there's there's got to be money in the pot. You know mm. we also get to a Champions League final, finish reasonably high in the league. There's there's money coming into the club more than ever. You know yeah. so I I don't think that Liverpool will go and spend three or four hundred million this summer. But I think if they say there's four. Or five, maybe even forty, fifty million pound players. They wanna, they wanna buy with a couple of outgoings. You could spend two hundred million and not even feel like you've done huge business. Well, they're ninety million in already. Sorry to cut across mill. And if a key, but again, but for some bad luck on. But the, that's on only the if you class Kaiser as a this season signing. Well, nobody wanted a class in last. Season <laughs> you've got to come to somewhere. I'm, I'm, I'm ready it for you. It depends on what narrative you're going with. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm people going. We don't have this. Well, you know what? No, do you know what? When we were talking about um, the where's the Coutinho money? No one was going. People were going. All we bought was Salah and Oxley Jim. Let's put it this way: those who wanted to be cynical about it were not counting the Navi Kai to spend, and that's fine. 
but now we do. Or as I've, or as, or as I've made this point in, in various platforms, let's just look over the, over the, 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 not the two years, the three windows from last summer to, to Christmas to this window. Liverpool are spending money. They've, they're, they're net over those three windows, which is a 13 months span between them, at around the 70, 80 million pound mark net. And but for Fakir, it would have been 130, 140 million. To me, Liverpool are spending, and there's, the evidence is there. And now, we, we, one interesting sort of side note on th- something like a Salah deal or a Firmino deal, it sort of knocks on the head the additional cynical caveat here goes, yeah, but wait till they sell a big player as per this summer. Well, here's the news. We're not going to sell a big player this summer. Mm. Do you think part of that, you know, we've obviously all in agreement that there's been that shift of, of mentality in the market in terms of wanting to spend big it also seems to be it's not a case of how much as it is a case of who the player is because uh, they had, you know, they were prepared to spend a price on on Roberto Firmino. It got increased by Hoffenheim. They still paid it because they were certain that Roberto Firmino was the player they need. Same thing with, with Roma, the, you know, negotiation over the fee went on for a while and in the end they paid more than they had anticipated to because of Roma's situation but they, again they were certain that's the right player same thing with Sadio Mane people were complaining about you know having to spend 30 million pounds on, on Sadio Mane but you look back and it's an absolute bargain now I'll spend um, that again if they want and it seems that the change happens because there's now a clarity uh, in the board before there was so many differing voices there was no unified vision um, when it came to transfers and now everybody's singing from in terms of attributes age everybody's aligned on the same things over over what they want which then convinces you know FSG and, and Mike Gordon and everyone else that yeah we're doing the right thing so we're confident spending here I, I think and he's an easy he's an easy scapegoat but I do think the, the movement from Ian Air to being responsible to 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 Ed Michael Edwards is a big sea change, and it's not necessarily because of the personalities per se, although it might be. It's because one's a, one's a man very ingrained in the football in, in Edwards. He's been in the football side of things his entire career. Not a footballer himself. Actually, he has played he played semi pro, didn't he? Somewhere along the line, I think. But Ian Air. Ian Air was is a business guy, a guy who went out and got sponsorship deals, who also then had to go and manage a budget. So I, I think it's a different mentality from a, a guy on the football side of things, which Edwards is, who goes, I need to get a winning team on the pitch. This is how I see this coming. And, you know, and working with the manager in a certain way. Maybe, maybe it would have been better, uh, Air and Klopp. But I, I, I think that's part of the sea change. That change. Ian Air was, in a certain sense, our director of football, whether he liked to be or not, whether that was fair to put him in that position or not. He ended up effectively being that. Now we have one who is a football person. I think that makes a difference in how we look at targets. I think the, I think the manager's roles <clears throat> underestimated a little yeah. bit in all this. I mean, I I I think all of this is just being built on on the trust in Jurgen Klopp. Quite frankly, I think there's Liverpool haven't truly trusted or FSG haven't truly trusted the manager until he walked through the door. And I still think you know you're saying in the last eighteen months, Rob. I I think it took Klopp a little bit of time to completely gain FSG's trust and getting everything he wants. And I think. Right, there is a there is a let's pull the trigger and go for it moment, and I think maybe after that Europa League final where he gets us to two finals and he turns around to them and goes, well, imagine if I'd have had something behind me, you know, if we weren't really scraping the barrel again, you know. So Liverpool needed depth, which which they've now created. You know, there's no there's no talk about Liverpool no longer paying the wages. Liverpool spent, you know, I think. Um, 
Peter Moore was boasting last week about us having the most expensive defender in the world and all, all these sort of things. So I think Klopp has got 100% the trust of the owners involved with Michael Edwards and Dave Fallows and, and that team there. And I think because look at the track record. When was yeah. the last time they got one wrong? Mm-hmm. So if you if you if you know that you're not just you know Rafa, for example, is it my criticism of Rafa? It used to feel like transfers for transfers' sake. Sometimes where he just mix it up at right back or whatever. Klopp's been happy to persist with the lads like Moreno and stuff and try and get some value out of them. So he's not doing that. But the ones where he's gone, I'm going to hang my hat on Fakir, Salah, whatever. He's got them right and. That, that's sensible spending and I think any director of any business including the football business will be happy with that Gibbo you know we speak about the ownership's trust in, in Klopp which is obviously evident for everyone to see but a big part of it would also be Klopp's trust in everyone in, you know the recruitment team and the research group in the owners uh, and stuff like that yeah no massively I mean you mentioned Rafa there well Rafa also like he loves sacking people didn't mm. he you know we go down the academy and if I'm it wasn't myself John <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah quite um, don't I know it uh, but, but, but Jürgen Jürgen straight away you know in his very first press conference you know when he was asked about transfers he's like I don't want to be running around here doing anything you, you sensed if, if Rafa could have one wish it'd be for 30 hours in a day so he could he could you know, serve the dinner as well as, you know, kind of be, be, be doing everything around Anfield. And, and Jürgen just doesn't think like that, partly because I think he he knows the, 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 the what he's best at and he knows that the, the, dedicating himself to that is, is how he gets the most out of himself. But also I think he's just, he just is naturally trusting the people, I think. And he's, and you sense that there's comfortableness around Liverpool, kind of wherever you go, really, and you know, around the football club in terms of you trust people to do the job, you trust people to do the job. And if the, if the, if, you know, if they, if they don't, then then fine, we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. But it's coming at it from a position of, well, I'll see what these people are like and, and I'll trust these people to do that. And, you, and and I think that's how you get the best out of people. And I think good leaders, no matter what industry, good leaders recognise what they're good at and recognise what they, what they should be getting help on and are good, are good delegators. And I think Klopp has been brilliant over the Salah thing because he's just given all the, he's given it to everyone else. So many managers would have gone, yeah, that, that was me that I saw him playing, you know, on the, I saw him playing as a nine-year-old in Egypt when I went on Aldi and stuff like that he was like do you know what that was them lads they were just pestering me to buy him and I got mm. so sick of being pestered I went sound let's buy them that's basically what he, he said said, I thought he was shit but they really convinced <laughs> me yeah. to stop and that's like that's so generous and, but that, that's, yes, that's, it that's, that's really so point. generous but that's a man who's who's secure in himself yeah. as well yeah. and, really and, and that's and, that, and so so the owners kind of deserve credit for that for doing what we, what we talked about before in terms of here's seven years you've, you've done great don't have to worry Klopp, Klopp, Klopp is, hasn't got the air of a man I mean part of it's pers- his personality of course you know I don't think he, if he worries too much about about a lot of things, but but he's not someone who's who's, who's thinking, you know, what three bad months and I'm under pressure here. I think that per- personality where it's massive. When I was growing up, my dad, my dad was tell always used to tell me stories about Shankly and Paisley and them fellas where they'd go about. Uh, we've got this footballer here, but the question, and then they'd say, "But is he a winner?" You know. Yeah. Well, I think. I think Klopp's taking that. It's a bit of a wide a wider context to this now, but you, you hear every time we seem to sign a lad that Klopp's made up about he thinks he's a nice fella or that he's going to be a good personality fit Gets for the dressing room. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's it, isn't yeah. it? A lad who fit within within the group. There's a, there's a certain mindset he's looking for and as long as he, they tick that box, then I think I think the manager's happy. So, this is it. You know, I'm talking about the when you're looking, if you're a top star across the continent and you're looking at clubs and you think, oh, where would I quite fancy being? You go, seems they're not going to be trigger happy with the manager there. It's going to be settled. There's a there's a lot of cohesion. Liverpool's a really easy sell nowadays, and that 
you know, maybe for the first time in my lifetime, quite quite frankly, that Liverpool has been one of the teams where you could see the likes of Asensio. I know that rumour's probably a load of rubbish, but you got to be to be the team where agents would link you with there because you could go, actually, I could see that happening. Mm-hmm. It's so refreshing. Well, one of the people Jurgen Klopp did show faith in is Dejan Lovren, and in the mentalness of this World Cup, he could go on to, to lift the trophy with that, Croatia. You know, not doing that um, Joel matter by you, mate. <laughs> <laughs> Just to close off, where does everyone see the World Cup shaping up and, and where's it headed? I'm excited that even though they may fall flat on their asses tomorrow night, that England have something of a historic opportunity to do do some business in this World Cup. I think that's to be that's exciting. I was looking through there's a there's a path which is uh, Colombia, Sweden, maybe Croatia that takes England all the way to the final virtually. Now we're going to find out tomorrow night if that England side is. Would is England a, be favourites in all three of them fixtures? I would say. Yes, I, I would think say so. so. That, that's, yes. that's an incredible position to be mm. in. It's really, it, again, in my lifetime, unique. Yeah. You know, for for England to potentially get to a World Cup final and be favourites in all of the games before it, I think the biggest test out of the three is probably tomorrow night. I, 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 totally, I totally agree. I, I think what was interesting that developed over the weekend is I think France genuinely showed for the first of all the big teams. They they're the first to show. Mm. I thought if that's the right word, they looked. Uh, you know, I said this at the beginning of the competition. I said, "Guess just get out the group stage for everyone, and then let's judge them." And France stepped up, and that performance flattered Argentina. The final scoreline: France were devastating at times. It was uh, the first time they played anyone who wanted the ball, actually. Yeah. So yes. you know, gave uh, them space. Yeah, that's very true. Man. Absolutely right, man. Brazil, it's kind of over to you, Brazil, I feel. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's the route to kick off as we record, mm-hmm. but it's over to you, Brazil, because at the moment, France look the, the team to be by some distance to me. Yeah, I, I would agree with, with Rob there. I, I wouldn't underestimate Belgium. Um, you know, they've, they've just got enough individual talent, and don't get me wrong, so are France, but I think lads who can really just take the game in 10 minutes and yeah, win absolutely. it. Eden Hazard, Kev De Bruyne, even Lukaku, mm-hmm. you know, and then it's built... They're the only side, I would say, that's built on really solid foundations. So you're going to go up against Alderweireld, Vertonghen, Courtois. These lads are playing every week in the biggest league in the world. Whereas I've got a few doubts around some of France's lads. I know we see the likes of Pavard score that absolute world the other day, but he's you know, he's playing at Stuttgart. He's not as tested as these lads at Belgium are. So I think England's biggest threat, and I am classing England as one of the favourites now, is potentially Belgium. Mm. I think the interesting thing has been if England were any other side, if England were Germany, say, people would be going, they look ominous. I know they lost that that last game, but they basically massively rotated it and nobody, neither of them wanted to win it. So mm. it wasn't a massive... Whoever lost, people would be going, well, no, nobody wanted to win that game anyway, mm. did they? But I think if if... if if Germany had put in the performances that England put in against the first two group opponents, uh, Tunisia and whoever the other ones were, um, on, yeah. yeah, people, you know, people would be going, well, they're not great, but you know, God, they've really taken the games, they've really destroyed them there, um, and I think it'll be really interesting to see whether England carry on in the same vein. But, but much like exactly as Paul's just said about Belgium, England have got those players that can take the game away from you. Kane is an obvious example. Well, Sterling, all, when he hits all play in the best league in the world. Exactly. Mourinho, sorry Adam, to go across it. Mourinho said a few weeks ago that he fancied England because they're tested every single exactly week. Exactly that, yeah. So, I, so I, I, you know, I think that, that 
I think the biggest thing that's going to affect England is the is the is the lack of willingness to believe that England could actually go and win it. I think that's probably one of the biggest things they're going to have is the There's mentality. So little expectation on England. Yeah. It was like it was almost like England shouldn't have bothered turning up this year. But I think because I think England have forgotten just be, because of how much we underachieved with those super talented squads. I think in England we've forgotten or don't realise or whatever you want to say that you don't have to have amazing players from 1 to 11 to win World Cups or to win yeah. major tournaments. And and you're looking at in the past sort of 20 years, there's, there's really been, I mean, maybe that Germany side four years ago when the squad's just mm. incredible. Normally, it, it's a real mix and it's and it's, and it's a f- two or three world-class players if you're lucky, some top-class players and then a few lads who can do a job for you. It's the Shankly Quotas and it plays to play the piano, plays the carrier. And I think we because because we underachieve so much, we forget that actually we were going into a lot of those World Cups with one of the best squads in there and they yeah. just, and they just completely you know, failed. Whereas, whereas, really, this England's this England squad is as good as, as squads in the past. Even probably one of the most balanced, isn't it? Yeah, we did Cut a show the before the before the World Cup for um, British Airways, and yeah. it sticks in my mind. It was the first time I truly assessed the squads, and you're going. Germany, that's, that looks awfully blunt. And then they come into the tournament, and guess what? Yeah. They look awfully blunt. Spain last night miss, missing a striker. Well, yeah, last night Spain looked like they were really missing a striker. You know, I don't even think Diego Costa kicks a ball if Lopetegui's in charge. Um, it's so, sort of like they're missing a midfielder to me. And the, the, the golden age of Xavi and Iniesta is. Iniesta's on his last And Silver, yeah. even. That, yeah. Yeah. They're not the footballers they once were. And, and Isco's being asked to carry a nation. He's only just emerged in the last year as a top, top player. I mean, I know we've known about Could him. Could have been flogged by Real Madrid 18 months yeah. ago. The big yeah. thing, I think, is that France and Brazil have both got the experience at the top end. I know Brazil obviously got an absolute. Thwacking by Germany at the last week, but but they've still got the experience of getting there in the first place. So but Neymar, they only need to Neymar, be one of them. Neymar hasn't scored a That's goal. well, exactly yeah. that. You know, yeah, they only need to be one of them. Gabriel yeah. Jesus doesn't look particularly potent. Neymar then Willian. Score. I know I'd rather have Harry Kane, Raheem Sterling, lads who score best part of sixty goals there last season. I know Absolutely. Raheem Sterling's not doing it, but that's why I say I think the only can. thing that might beat England is England's mentality going into thinking, oh, we don't have the experience. I don't think, but I think they've the got camp. the players. I don't think that's that's what's being written in the papers. But the one thing I'll praise Gareth Southgate for is that I think internally he's changed the mindset mm. of this England team. There's a real team spirit and even them open media days and stuff like you've seen he's doing things differently and it seems to be paying rewards well we'll see tomorrow night (laughs) this has been the Anfield Drop enjoy the rest of the World Cup enjoy watching footage of Liverpool in pre-season and drinking in Mo Salah's new contract Sports Social Podcast Network